Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Flushing Group from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Welcome back to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield, the podcast about Freddy, <laughs> starring your buddy, Fran Drescher. This is Sean DiPasquale, sing song in his way into this intro, my co-host. <laughs> Toria Sheffield, I'm so tired and out of it this morning that while you were singing, I was swaying to the music. <laughs> oh, God. This is gonna this is gonna be an interesting one. I feel like, I feel like yeah, I, just, I was sort of just like bossa nova beating it alone. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow! All right, welcome everybody. Episode four, season two of the nanny. This episode we are discussing uh, episode four, season two of the nanny. Uh, this one is called Material Fran, which mm-hmm. I guess is supposed to be a play on Madonna's Material Girl. Mm-hmm, which mm. is appropriate because this is the episode where Fran gets courted by a much older, extremely wealthy man. Uh, this episode was written by uh, Eileen O'Hare and it was directed by our old friend Lee Chalette Chamel. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but what I really liked about this episode is you you are reminded that you know while Fran isn't just from a different culture, she's from a different class. And... Um, and from a class where sometimes quote unquote marrying up is like someone's life plan. Um, and we kind of delve into that and that culture a little bit, which I'm always fascinated by. Like I'm fascinated by this in real life as well. Um, but so I, I thought this was an interesting episode with some cool dynamics happening. And it, it, in, in keeping with a, a recurring theme on this show, it justified its existence in the larger story by giving us two really nice reminders that like Fran and Mr. Sheffield are meant to be together forever and Mm -hmm. that they are truly destined to be together. We get two really nice beats where um, we sort of see them kind of vocalize exactly what they want in a partner while the other person is doing exactly what they're saying. Yes. Uh, and, And it just sort of, further solidifies that like these two are made for each other it, it had a lot of synchronicity with a something that happened in season one as well which i really liked yeah. um so first but- up we get uh the cold open which sets up the gracie plot line right gracie comes in to the kitchen she's nervous she's got this teddy bear she's like really upset oh i don't want to you know i don't want to part with him but i'm going to this sleepover and i'm worried that i'm going to get made fun of by the other girls and then I think the next thing that gets set up is this B plot, which is Maggie wants to go to a concert uh-huh. and wants Fran's help to get backstage passes and tickets and the whole thing like through Mr. Sheffield, but like doesn't want to ask him directly. And yes. I got my first line, my first laugh of the episode, which was Fran doesn't know who the Stone Temple pilots are, which was shocking to me. I didn't know who they were. I thought they were made up. You don't know who the Stone Temple pilots are? 
No, I literally thought, oh, they must have made up a a fun rock name, a funny rock and roll band name. Now I'm playing Stone Temple Pilots under this. Who are they? Who are the Stone Temple Pilots? I don't. I I don't know. I, I, I you is, you shaming me is not going no, no, to no, make you know me what? know. I feel like this is where uh, our very like not very large age difference, I guess, comes into play. I mean, it's well known that we're seventeen years apart. So <laughs> uh, they, they were a very big grunge '90s band. Um, uh, Core was like their first album. They did. They had a song on the Crows soundtrack. One of my favorite songs on that soundtrack. Uh, driving faster in my car. I, so I'm. I literally. I watched this episode twice. I thought. I thought to myself. Love song plush. None of these things. No, no. I literally, when I was watching this episode, thought, "Oh, it must be f- a fun job to make up fake." fake rock uh, band names like you know that would sound like young people would listen to them that's truly what I thought this was but also you have to remember I would have been six years old at the time <laughs> like I also always say this uh, music is not my area of expertise in any way yeah. well Which so is- several pilots if you don't know them kids look them up um, or don't, or don't. but if you're going to look up the big empty I'm playing it right now throughout oh, this whole oh, conversation. Over, but, over my voice. Uh, underneath, yeah, I've muted Toria's entire track line. You guys have just been listening to Stone Temple <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, but okay. So Maggie's trying to get tickets to this concert, but we really get into the episode when we find out that Cece is in the living room hosting a ladies' luncheonette. Like it's a fundraising luncheonette where she's trying to convince all these women to donate money to, you know, their new production. And it's all these high society women. And there's this great moment where um, Fran comes running in because she's chasing Brighton and, and Gracie, you know, like Brighton has taken Gracie's bear and they're running around as kids do. She comes running in screaming and then she instantly stops when she realizes there's this like very important gathering happening and mm-hmm. she kind of like quickly recenters and she's like, how do you do? How do you do? And that, excuse me, pardon me, fake Chanel. <laughs> yeah, under her breath, she goes fake Chanel. Yeah. But so then she sees this woman who is like a very elegant uh, redheaded oh. woman and her, I, I know, I know where you're going with this. Um, but but she sees this woman and her eyes widen and she's like, oh, my God, Kathy, Mary O'Malley, it's me, Fran Fine. And this woman is like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, you, you must be mistaken. And she's like, no, no, from such and such Flushing's high. And then she goes, um, oh, and they did a great job with your teeth. Your chin comes out now, at which point Cece literally. And then she goes, oh, and you finally got yourself a pair of, and then Cece turns around and she's like, no. Yeah, no, so, so literally she goes, you finally got yourself a pair of, and she's supposed to say breast. The and then yeah. and then Cece's uh, hand just covers Fran's mouth. And she, in this really funny physical comedy moment, drags Fran away. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and and I actually had this note where I'm like, oh, this is the first time I could actually see a Fran Cece spinoff. Like I loved their dynamic in this scene. So Cece has her hand over Fran's mouth and, and she's like, that is Catherine Porter of the Park Avenue Porters. Now, if I let you go, will you go away and Fran like nods with her mouth and nose still covered and then the second she says, Cece releases she says, her she says if I let you breathe will you go away oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Fran, Fran nods and then but this no sooner does Cece remove her hand from Fran's mouth does Fran turn back towards Kathy and go 
I hope those are sailing because Cece <laughs> yanks her out of the room. And I was like, oh, I could see a very funny, odd couple show between these two. Like, I could see more of this. Yeah, but as you said so, that, I was like, how would that work? And my only thought was like, Mr. Sheffield's dead. <laughs> Fran is in charge of like their like estate. And like Cece is in charge of his company. And now they're stuck living and working together. And I was like, oh, that just sounds sad. <laughs> or he just promotes Fran to, you know, something in his business eventually oh he retires and he puts fran in charge of uh of the production company and now it's her and cc running things something or i mean i don't know be so mad um i well i was gonna say this is where i thought you were going and maybe you weren't going here did you recognize the woman yes, who played I Kathy? Did. i have a whole list da, 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 da. i knew well, you would judith hogue uh who played April O'Neil. She was the voice of April O'Neil in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, but she was also she the was actress. Also, the actress she, in, the, in the movie, I mean. Yeah, she was in, the actress who played April O'Neil in the 90s Ninja Turtles movie. I want it was it 89 or 91? It was 91, right? I think it was 91. Yeah. Okay. That. That movie made such an impact on me as a child that um, I I only knew the the word teenage from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like I knew what that was before I knew what a teenager was. So when I had a nanny who uh, told me I would become a teenager one day, I thought that meant I was going to become a turtle. Wow. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, I didn't become a turtle. How but long I, did you think that before you realized you're never going to get become a turtle? I remember, you know, it was a whole conversation where I'm like, what do you mean teenager? Like, t- I was like, like a teenage mutant ninja turtle. And she was like, yeah, you're going to be a teenager one day. And I was like, what? What? I like could not comprehend. And then she was like, no, she realized that I misunderstood and no, thought that it, sorry, that, and she explained it. We have um, a lot of younger listeners too. So we should also probably say uh, this actress you might also recognize. She played uh, Gwen Cromwell Piper in Halloween Town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them, all the movies. Uh, so, yeah, so she plays Catherine, Kathy, Fran and Val's high school buddy who now has, like, married up in the world. She's, like, a socialite. She got a well, bunch of work done. But the but the great the great moment is so it's like she pretends she doesn't know Fran at the luncheonette. So then you know Fran go, is pushed back into the kitchen, and right around that moment Val shows up, and Val's like, "Are the leftovers ready?" Because Val, uh, Fran has clearly been like, "Val, there's going to be a party at the house. Come over and eat the leftovers yes. with me." And you know they instantly sit down with these plates of food, and Fran's like, "You're never going to guess who I saw out there, Kathy O'Malley. She's had all this work done, blah blah blah." Um, at which point. Kathy or Catherine Porter walks in and in this very formal way goes, excuse me, could you direct me to the powder room? And you're like, oh, okay. So she's clearly going to keep this up. And then she goes, because I'm dying for a smoke. And she like, you really, she's just been code switching. Um, And this actress did a great job. And I actually... It reminds she like nails this this character, and it reminded me how much the the woman who was playing the like um it, like fake Fran didn't really embody this you know flushing vibe. It, you know she sort of seemed like she was pretending, whereas um, Judith Hogue just I, she was great. And you know they all get so giddy and they sit down and they're like pe- all picking at food together, and it it's revealed that yes yeah, she's like I married up, and she's like Franny, my husband's business partner is hugely wealthy you have to meet him and it's also revealed that she we get some nice little vowel context and backstory in this scene because kathy's like you're so excited to see fran and then 
Fran's like, you remember Val? And she's like, mm, not ringing any bells. And Fran's basically like, remember when we used to go to the water park? She'd stand in the parking lot. She'd get up early and stand yeah. in the parking space until we got there. Yeah. So Val is like this like kind of loser who seems like, <laughs> like a tagalog loser who like wake up at 6 a.m., go to where they were going to be later in the day and they just stand in a parking space to save it until they showed up. <laughs> and, then, and then Val goes, those were the days. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so uh, anyway, so, you know, Kathy introduces this idea of like, let me introduce you to my husband's very wealthy business partner. Yeah. And Freena at first is like, oh, I could never date anybody just for money. Um, but Kathy's like, you're being very prejudiced. He has uh, a private jet two Ferraris and like some private island or something. And then Fran's like, hmm, you're right. I'm, I'm being very close-minded. <laughs> so so yeah, she's convinced. Decides she's okay. I'm going to go on a date with this guy. I'm going to go on a date because now, he's rich. She comes downstairs for this date. She's wearing this very, very nice red dress, right? She looks great. But here's my question. <laughs> well, okay. I'll, I, I will say debatable. You know I was, she looks good? I I was t te- I agreed with CC, uh, but she I will say this to you the, the dress who doesn't too remember. trampy is that what you're saying? It, it, <laughs> I feel like you're putting me in an uncomfortable position you, as a woman in 2021. Are you a friend dresser for just having the confidence to wear like a really pretty small red dress? It was a ta- I think it was a bit of a tacky choice. Oh, wow. Um, but it was very Fran, and I love the Fran dress awards. It was very Fran. Well, what I was going to ask is, would that dress have looked better without the black stockings? It would, right? And I feel like no one would wear it like that now. They would just wear the dress, not the stockings. But it's it was like a sequenced red mini dress, and I think that that is kind of a winter look. So I would imagine, and it would be kind of hot. So I can't really imagine wearing that in summer, to be honest. Nice interesting. So yeah, so she comes down in this red dress. Um, there's a great line there, which I'll save until we get to our favorite lines, but there's a great CC uh exchange Niles exchange there. And um and then we meet her date, Theo, uh, who is played by this dude named Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. And he is notable because he was the voice of Alfred on Batman the Animated Series. Well, also, I think he was notable because he was in some very, very um, big movies in his time. The the one that I've seen is Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn, which is yes. a very, very famous um, horror movie, basically, or thriller that, that holds up as a very scary concept. It's a blind woman is experiencing a home invasion by two men trying to rob her home and think she's an easy target. And the only – and when she realizes this is happening – the only advantage she has is that she she breaks all the light bulbs in the house yeah. because she knows how to navigate space in the dark this, and they don't. This movie it's, is based on a play, uh, which is really cool because the whole second act of the play is done basically in the dark, with, except for light from the inside the refrigerator is the only light on stage. Mm. And I saw this play on Broadway when it was there was a revival. This was in probably like that early 2000s, uh, starring Marissa Tomei. And Quentin Tarantino as the lead guy who's there to kill her. What? Yep. And I stayed after and I still to this day have the playbill signed by (gasps) Marissa Tomei and Quentin Tarantino. 
Well, I wish now I wish Quentin Tarantino had played the older Susan. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so this, oh, but I wanted to quickly, quickly say uh, before we even get into this, the reason that we even, that Sean and I got into a debate over the dress is because Fran is in this cute sequence mini dress and Cece goes, oh, you're not wearing that tacky dress to go out with, um, you know, Catherine Porter's business like mr porter's business partner um she goes i wouldn't be caught dead in that dress and and, uh niles goes you'd have to be dead six months to fit into it yeah but anyway so yeah so then he shows up he shows up and he's yeah he's all he's he's probably like 40 years older than fran he was the voice of alfred on batman he's old he's very old um but he's very sweet he brings her both flowers and chocolates because he said he couldn't decide which i thought was I was charmed when I I was. Um, but, um, so, you know. Look and how he, you're slut-shaming Fran. I said like, charmed, I like not because this old he, man, this rich old man, because he brought candies and chocolate. <laughs> and not because he's wealthy, but because it was sweet. It was sweet. Um, so, yeah. But, so, Fran ends up liking dating this guy. At, at first, you know, he, he she, like, comes in. She's, like, from the date from the, date the next morning, we get a, a famous nanny breakfast table scene uh she comes in wearing a tiara like <laughs> yeah. a diamond tiara and yes. uh and i think he's bought her earrings and like a diamond necklace i mean he like really they went on one date and he's like really 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 laid it on thick oh and there's flowers all over the yeah. breakfast all over the dining room like and she you know she's singing with joy um fair, when you're that old you gotta move fast you know yes. i mean he doesn't have time for like a two-year courtship. It's like, mm-hmm. let's go. Hey, here's all my money. What do you want? Yes. And he moves so fast that he arrives at breakfast that morning and, and you know, interrupts their breakfast and is like, you know, Fran, would you like to fly to Paris with me today? Yeah. And she says, yes. Um, and this is sort of to the surprise of, of the whole family. Like they at first think she's going to walk into breakfast embarrassed because she had no idea she was going to be going on a date with somebody so old, but she's downright giddy and she's loving it so far. So this gets them into the next scene, which is um, it's Fran, Kathy, Theo, who is um, Fran's uh, suitor and Mr. Porter, the four of them on a private jet there's it's this you know a lot of physical comedy with fran trying to drink champagne and eat lobster during turbulence very lucille ball-esque in that way um but this this might have been the most interesting scene to me in the whole episode because again this is what i'm fascinated by these the dynamic between these older men and these younger women and how these women to like sort of have this lifestyle allow themselves to be infantilized by these older men because literally, um, you know, at one point, first of all, it's made clear that Fran's not going to spend any time with Theo though for the whole time they're in Paris because he's going to be working the whole time. He's just right. is basically going to give her a credit card and send her she's off. Arm candy. I mean, she's very, she's arm candy. She's arm candy. Well, but the thing is, so Fran, Fran is, you know, disappointed. She's like, oh, so we're not going to get to know each other at all on this trip. And then um, literally, no sooner does she say that, does Mr. Porter look at Kathy and go, Kathy, baby, do you want to sit on daddy's lap? Yeah. <laughs> Which is so gross. And then Fran kind of out of the side of her mouth goes, is he going to burp you too? And <laughs> Kathy goes, if he wants to. And she sort of like stands up and like sexily walks over to him. And you're like, I, I literally wrote gross in all caps. because 
like that that is a that exists between people it's so gross but it's sort of like yeah he can do whatever he wants as long as he you know maintains my lifestyle and and fran's not into it fran is disappointed this is this is not the the trip to paris that she thought she she you know to her credit thought she was going to go get to know this man. She was trying not to be, you know, biased. She was wowed by like the private jet and the trip to Paris. But I think she thought the payoff to that was also going to be like, oh, we'll get to spend some time together Mm -hmm. and and we'll get to like really know each other. And he is, you know, this scene very, very cleverly and quickly establishes like he's not really interested in that. Like nor is her friend's marriage anything like that like these are really really old rich men who want like a young chick to like spend the rest of their time with yes and if and- you can hang long enough you get like left in the middle Yes. In fact, at one point, Kathy even says, let them work. Every minute they're working is another million they're making. Right. So they said, that. I thought it was funny that even though they're like all sitting several feet apart on a private jet, we're supposed to think that that conversation is somehow private between friends. I mean, that's like, that's yeah. always like TV logic. It's also like the, it's like the three people in a, you know, four people in a room together and two people turn to each other and go, boy, this guy's crazy. And you're like, that guy's two feet away from you. How did you not hear that? <laughs> yes. Well, but so then this leads to the scene. There is a scene that I loved, um, which is, you know, it's clearly like the next day. They've flown back from Paris and now it's just Fran, or maybe it's a couple days later, but it's Fran and Val in the kitchen. And Fran's kind of just rehashing. And she's like, you know, Val, like, ugh, I'm going to have to break up with Theo. And... Val's like, oh my God, why? You know, his man has literally like showered her with expensive gifts so far. Mm-hmm. And and there was this exchange where Fran goes, she's like, I'm just window dressing to him. I, I'm Vanna White. And Val's like, but you love Vanna White. And Fran yeah. goes, I know, but I don't want to be her. And she's like, I want to buy the Vals. I want to solve the puzzle. And I I loved that. It's and, great, and- it's, yeah. Yeah, and it was and it was such a great sentiment. And, it, and Val goes, "Oh, Fran, you should write that down." <laughs> um, but it's you know she she's basically saying like I I want to be an active participant in my relationship. And and this is when then you know as if that wasn't already I think a great enough moment, we get that this scene that we were talking about earlier, which was a great parallel to I think it was a mid season season one episode where and the one that I'm thinking is when you know Fran says something like. Um, you know, I want a man who values my opinion. And then, you know, Mr. Sheffield sauntered in and was like, Miss Fine, I need your opinion. So now we have this episode that, you know, chronologically aired almost a year later. Um, and we're kind of getting this again where Fran's like, she's like, oh, Val, like, I want a guy who cares what I think. And like, on cue, Mr. Sheffield pops his head in and is like, Miss yeah. Fine, what do you think? Yeah. Um, he's like, we've what do you think about this? like this before. I mean, we, we've gotten these scenes before on the show where, She's like, I just want this. And then Mr. Sheffield shows up and gives her exactly that. And she's yes. completely oblivious to the fact that the thing she's just described is literally what Mr. Sheffield is doing. Yes. Um, and specifically in this scene, he's like, you know, I got those concert tickets for Maggie, but now I'm wondering if I should let her go on chaperoned. And Fran just, you know, she's just very expertly goes, get a couple of seats, a few rows behind. We'll go. We'll make sure they don't get into trouble. And he's like, oh, of course. What would I do without you? And then he pops out again. She's like, Val, I need a guy who needs me. <laughs> um, and then we get an extension of what just happened. We get an even, we get like a cherry on top of that exchange because then we see fr- the next scene is 
Fran and Mr. Sheffield actually at this rock concert and um, Stone Temple Pilots concert. Stone Temple. They played like, you know, TV generic rock music underneath and it made me very upset. I was like, that's not Stone Temple Pilots. Come on, stop. Um, Well, I was excited. I thought because they name dropped and we were going to get like a cool STP cameo. Wow, you even have an abreve for them. That's what they're called. STP? Yeah, Stone Temple Pilots. Man. Man, there's a whole there's a whole universe that I don't know anything about. There's a whole, whole nomenclature you're not familiar with. Um, but so um, we don't actually see the concert, but what we see is Fran and Mr. Sheffield, they like rush out into the um, lobby area of this concert because it's so loud that they can hardly stand it. And they're basically like commiserating on how like, they're, like that wasn't music. It was so loud. And then they end up getting, uh, you know, Mr. Sheffield ends up buying them a soda and a hot dog and they sort of sit on the curb commiserating. And Fran says, you know, they start talking about this Theo situation because she's, you know, since broken up with him. And she's just like, you know, I, I need a guy. I need a partner who I can share things with. And no sooner does she say that, does Mr. Sheffield hand her the soda. And she's like, oh, thanks. And he's like, oh, you're absolutely right. You know, relationships are about give and take. And then no sooner does he say that, does she hand him the hot dog. And he's like, oh, thanks. And they're just very comfortably just sharing this you know, meal together while sitting on a curb. And, and it's that, you know, it's that you don't see what's right under your nose theme between the two of them. And it's very sweet. And, and at first when I was watched this, I was like kind of annoyed that it was, it was so similar to that scene. I even looked up the episode. It was season one, episode 12. And I was like, oh, they literally did like a beat for beat redo of that scene. Like how repetitive. But then I remembered, no, no, no. There was like a year that aired between these episodes and we're essentially binging. So, so this would have felt like just a taste of this, you know, after a year Exactly. This would have been this would have been an, a, a season two, early season two reminder that like, hey, these two are meant for each other, and mm-hmm. that is what the show is building towards. And I mean, strap in because I have a feeling that this is going to drag out for you know <laughs> the next two seasons at least. Because I don't think they even get together officially until like season four or season five. I think season five, yeah. I think it's season five, and they get married season six or something. But um, but then no sooner do they have that little beat than do they actually see Theo? Um, they see him like on the sidewalk, and they're like, "Oh my god!" Like, look, and then this they was see the most that, unbelievable part of the episode. To me. Oh, that he would be at this concert. Why right? is Theo taking? Well, so we, well, they reveal that his date is now cc and she's wearing the earrings that he had bought fran but fran reveals that she kept the necklace which is a funny beat but i was mm-hmm. like why would cc and this old man be at a stone temple pilots concert i know i i would have thought it was more believable if they just saw them walking down the street together and they just yes. happened to be walking but but it was made clear that they were at the concert because they were wearing some sort of vip pass but yeah who knows we don't know but just the you know the little joke is that well Fran obviously would never compromise herself enough to maintain a relationship with a guy because he's rich, but Cece absolutely would. Um, and then the little button was just, you know, it's just a re- resolution of the C plot where, you know, Fran is taking Gracie to that sleepover and, um, she, you know, she, like, she's finally gotten over the bear thing. She's like, you know, t- like teaching her like tricks to like, okay, if you miss the bear, like, you know, just take a deep breath, whatever. And it's like uh, this big moment of sort of growth, sort of for, for, uh, Gracie. for Gracie. And then they open the door to the slumber party and there are 
approximately 40 girls inside and they all have teddy bears. Yeah. And they're all like, hi, Gracie, as they're waving their bear in yeah. bears in the air. And Gracie just has this moment of object horror on her face. And then Fran is like, oh, we'll be right back. Yeah. But, she, like, <laughs> Gracie like hyperventilates and steps backwards out of the room. What I thought was funny though, was like, this was a very minor C plot. Like we hardly spend any time with it, but the, the audience reaction, which I don't know if it was put in in post. It was almost like as extreme as when like Ross sleeps with that woman yes. while he's on a break with like, Rachel. Oh. It was like, oh, yeah. and I was like, is this a bigger moment than I am realizing? No. And I'm like, no, I think they just made a a it's weird funny. choice. <laughs> a weird. It's like a funny payoff to the bit, but like I, I, I also <laughs> clocked that and was like, no way did the audience gas? Yes, yes, like, it was like. Like big, huge reveal, uh, but it, for a very low stakes thing. Um, but mm-hmm. so, so that was the whole episode. Yeah, we had and we had that like you know kind of interesting perspective of these like you know these women from Queens who are marrying up the luncheonettes, the wealthy men that just want these um, young girls or young women rather and don't care about like their partners. Right. And it, it was you know it was and then yeah it had that really great emotional payoff. So and and that was that was it. I feel like. Well, then I guess that means it's time for segments. Segments. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> All right, Toria, take us into it. What's up first? All right, favorite moments and lines. Well, you stole mine. Hmm. I even specifically noted, oh, I won't say it here. I'll save it for later. And then you were like, oh, we definitely have to mention that this funny line happened. So I have no lines. It was, um, it was the, uh, oh, I wouldn't be caught. uh, CC says I wouldn't be caught dead in that dress. And then, um, Niles says, uh, you'd have to be dead for six months to even fit in that dress. Oh, I clocked that you blew past it and just thought you had no. forgotten to mention it. No, I was oh, trying to save it. I didn't pick up what you were putting down. Otherwise, I feel like this is a uh, this this part of the segment is just uh, redundant. <laughs> it's like Chris Farley being like, remember when? Yeah, exactly. Remember, like, hey, remember five minutes um, ago when we said that this line was a great line? Well, here's well, that line. That that was a great line. And I loved, love, love the moment when um, Cece is dragging Fran around that party trying to keep her mouth shut. Yeah. I, I loved their chemistry as comedic actresses in the, that moment. Um, I oh. I really like this line where when um, Kathy, Val, and Fran are in the kitchen together um, at, you know, during the luncheonette. And Kathy said something like, well, like, what are you doing here? And Fran goes, oh, I'm the nanny. And Kathy goes, oh. And Fran's like, well, what? And she's like, well, it, it's just back in high school. You know, people thought you were really going places. And Fran goes, well, I showed them. <laughs> Which <laughs> is just, Which really made me laugh. Like a great response. A great like. Oh, sorry. No, no, just yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a, um, it was a good self-deprecating, like way to deflate that sort of like um, undercutty comment from Kathy. Yeah, yeah. Because like it's kind of a rude comment, you know? Like we thought you were going places. Mm -hmm. Um, I liked Fran saying. 
She's talking to Maxwell and they're talking about music. And she goes, <laughs> Meanwhile, explain to me Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. The girl with colitis goes by. Ugh, that's very distasteful. And Maxwell goes, It's the girl with kaleidoscope eyes, Miss Fine. And then yeah. her response was, Oh, leave it to Flushing to turn a beautiful image into a bowel dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's also my line. I have that line too. The girl with colitis goes. Yeah, that got a laugh. The girl. And now, now I don't know if I can ever hear that song without Without hearing. Yeah, the girl with colitis Uh, goes by. Um, and you want to talk about fun coming up with fake band names? How about coming up with that pun? Must have been a good hour and a half wasted. Well, I wonder if somebody really thought that in the writers' room and they just brought it up and they wrote that in. Um, there was another quick little moment where when Fran is, uh, telling Val that she's going to be breaking up with Theo and Val like asks her why. And she's like, well, because, you know, all we did on that date was, you know, I, I flew on a private jet, I shopped and then I ate in a five-star restaurant and went home. That was it. And Val completely seriously, not sarcastically goes, drop dead. (laughs) And it was just this moment of like. Like her eyes almost went vacant when she said it. Like um, it wasn't, it, it just, her, her visceral reaction to like, that's your problem with that date and to the jealousy that they, the flash of jealousy really made me laugh. There's also uh, a funny exchange with Val and Fran where they're talking about the trip and she says something and Val goes, I thought the Eiffel Tower leaned, thinking of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And Fran goes, Val, that's Big Ben. <laughs> yes. And that rang very true to me to friendships where, you know, where there's these friendships where it's like there's kind of an alpha person and there's like a beta person. And it's like the alpha person will say stuff like that. Like they'll correct, they, you know, they're implicitly trusted with information, <laughs> even if it's like completely, they're just as in the dark as the other person. Um, I really, I like that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's classic Dumb and Dumber. It's like, <laughs> it's like they're both idiots, but for some reason, like one of them's the leader. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, if as are you, if you're good on lines and moments, uh, we can move on to trivia. Let's move on to trivia. What do you got? All righty. So, um, you know, this episode, as we discussed. Um, really reminds us that Fran and Mr. Sheffield are meant for each other, maybe yes. even destined for each other. But interestingly enough, oh, and we know that they get together eventually. They get married and have children. It would have been but, like, but interestingly <laughs> enough, I am meant for no one. So let's just go. <laughs> Will I die alone? Uh, let us know. Uh, interestingly enough, in an interview with Fran and Peter Mark Jacobson in 2018, for an Australian outlet, um, Fran Drescher revealed that she doesn't think she she never wanted Fran and Mr. Sheffield to get married within the universe of the show. Um, in this interview, she said, "I would have." Oh, and you know, it's kind of known. It's famously known that um, the uh, studio pressured them to make that happen and they basically said if you want to get renewed for a season six like you need to push that romance and and get them engaged and married and so um in the interview fran drescher said i would have written a great season finale but not change the dynamic of the relationship between fran and maxwell so the show would have ended with her being the nanny of the kids and him being her boss but the two of them sharing a certain attraction that never got realized honestly i would have preferred not to wrap the show up the way it was at all um, that was dictated by the network. It really wasn't our choice. Um, and wow. when I first, 
But when I read that, I thought I to feel myself, like "You should have saved this for the season series finale." Well, <laughs> no, well, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, but the thing is, um, when I first read that, I thought, "Wow, I wonder if it's because." In Fran's mind, she didn't think they were really destined to be together or if she just had such a fundamental understanding of like the uh, workings of a the plot engine of a show that she knew that it would ruin the show. And no sooner did I think that did I like uh, look into another interview or a later part of that interview where she said, once the sexual tension is gone and she's the wife, there goes the series. So if we were to ever do a reboot, it wouldn't be because of the money. It would be because we had cracked how to make that work 20 years later. So it, I was so impressed that she sort of – they had the self-restraint and the like um, intuition or yeah. to, to go, this show works because of that tension. And yeah. the second that they get together – there's no more. There's no more show. I mean, and, and it's why Ross and Rachel didn't get together for 150 years. I mean, it, mm-hmm. you, you, once you break the sexual tension bubble, that kills your show. Like it kills, like because that's what people are tuning in for every week. And then once it happens, mm-hmm. and they're a couple, they're a couple, and it's like mm-hmm. okay, there's no stakes, there's no drama, they're just a couple. Or you have to manufacture, you know, which is the problem writers often run into, which is like okay. We want these people to be together. Now they are together, but now we have to make the relationship dysfunctional because people being happily together just is, it's, it get, it's boring to watch. If there's no oh, conflict, yeah. it's boring. I basically had to stop watching The Office because once Pam and Jim, the American Office, I should say, yeah. once Pam and Jim got together and they then had to give them like really dark marital troubles. Yes. I was so, I was like, I, this is, I can't like, I don't want to see this. This is not the world I want to tune into for 30 minutes. Well, is- that's a great example because it's like the writers do, make Jim and Pam a couple, but then they have to buy back the tension. And the only way to buy back that tension is, is like you said, you have to do like horrific couples drama. And it's like, but, then that breaks the, the the thing altogether because then it's like, oh, well, you know, you have to make someone's got to be the bad guy. Well, and a lot of times it was Jim was an asshole. Like, now the will they, won't they is will they get divorced, which right. is a very different will they, won't they. And it's not what I want. That's not the escapism I'm looking for. So, exactly. so, um, but yeah, so, you know, it just goes to show that, um, you know, Fran and Peter Mark Jacobson, they, they really knew what they were doing. They really understood um, you know, what makes these things work. And um, they, they really did the, you know, the them getting together under duress, which, which we knew, which we'd read about before. But um, it, it was interesting to just hear her like officially put that on the record. Well, and be sure to listen to the series finale of this podcast, where we will give you trivia about the pilot episode. So that's a little teaser for that. Stay tuned. Yeah, I'm going to put a note because that'll be what, like a year and a half? <laughs> I'll remember it. I'll put in my note. I actually should make a notes document. That's not a bad idea. You should. Um, so our Yiddish for the episode. So there was no Yiddish, but There's I looked no up. Some, no, but I, what I looked up was um, something relevant, which it, which is uh, Alter Noyev means dirty old man. Ooh, Alter Noyev. I love it. Alter Noyef, it means dirty old man. You dirty old man, you Alter Noyef, you. Alter Noyef. I love it. Um, I love it. You gotta... Uh, when did I learn that as a kid? Because it meant there were no dirty old men around for my grandma to call that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and then for the Freedom of the CC, I, I, I think we're both the Frans 
I don't think either of us have the capacity to marry for money or for marry for for not for something that's not real. I think you're wrong. I know I don't. And also, I enjoy a Stone Temple Pilots concert, so <laughs> I will be the CC this week. <laughs> oh, well, no. I was saying that you were the Fran, too. I said we were both the Frans. No, I'm saying I think you're wrong. I think I, I, think oh. I could totally see myself uh, marrying only for money in a, in oh. a reality where Elizabeth didn't, you know, where I never met Elizabeth. Is that true? Really? Yeah, why not? Who cares? Be- so, like, because, a lot okay. of money? How much money? Oh. Like, like, I... like, if some, like, 68 year old like billionaires was like you're hilarious darling i want to make you my betrothed i would be like <laughs> okay so so if mrs howell <laughs> yes mrs howell <laughs> from gilligan's island is the real important question there i i sometimes <laughs> No, I sometimes think, I sometimes think that I could, like sometimes I'm like, no, I could, I could. But then I get in real life, I get so uncomfortable and so skeeved out, even spending time with someone romantically who I don't really like that. I I know I couldn't like, I just, yeah, that's true. It makes my gut feel bad. No, you're right. I I don't, I don't, I don't think if I was really faced with it. I don't know that I could, you know, like really, really do that. But it's fun to imagine a world in which you're like, oh, you just want me to like sit in a room and like be around and then also like I'm just gonna get all this someday. Like I could probably kill enough time playing video games. You just want rich parents. I just want rich rich parents. So mom, dad, if you're listening, get it together. Let's go. Um okay. <laughs> So we okay. So Sean and I both agree we would marry for money if we were also in love. <laughs> yeah, if we were in love, we would totally marry for money. Yes, if I was in love with someone and also they were rich, I wouldn't be like, "I love you deeply," but like, Ooh, "What's up with all this money?" And be like, "Run a money bath, darling." <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think that's the episode. I feel like we we definitely babbled a long time. Ah, it's interesting. Look, you got a real deep look into our psyches. They're clearly broken. <laughs> My mind's a, a landscape of uh, both humor and serious pain. Um, and uh, a yeah. landmine. Not a landmine, a minefield. Minefield. What did I say? A landscape? It's a no, landscape, too. It's like you... got horses in it. <laughs> Miniature horses. <laughs> yeah. <little> t- <laughs> horses of all sizes. <laughs> Little tiny baby horses. And they have hats. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, uh, oh, boy. Uh, tell us if we babble too much at uh, oh, Mr. Chef Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. Or you can uh, find us personally. You can find me at Sean Wrights on Twitter and tell me to uh, close my yap. And Toria, where can people find you? Uh, Toria Sheffy on Instagram. Two Fs. And, and, oh, I just wanted to say again, thank you so much to our subscribers. I was looking at our, um, podcast stats and stuff again, and I just, I can't believe there are people who are giving their actual hard earned money to support this. And I I am shocked and it makes, I'm so grateful. So thank you guys. We now have more than one person (laughs) who is giving us money every month. So thank you to uh, those people. It's pretty Mm -hmm. great whoever they may be. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Dearly. All right. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye forever. Just kidding. We'll see you next week. Bye. The flashing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. 
Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Vine, 